right, here we go. Welcome to the Dr. Mudgo podcast. I am super excited to have Jack Elman here, who is known as a fitness professional in, on the North Shore of Long Island. He uh, grew up in Roslyn, and I think he still lives there, right? Yep. And, yep. you know, it's um, this is actually the first time I'm meeting Jack. And, you know, the power of social media always amazes me. Jack sent me a direct message after my last podcast with Leighton Grant, who's also a fitness professional. I guess their worlds, through the Venn diagram of their worlds, Jack reached out to me and, and asked if he could use this platform to share his story, to talk about some really important issues. And um, I'm personally, I'm like, you know, we were talking a bit before we started recording and I heard little bits and pieces of, of your life and I couldn't be more excited to learn more about it. And I think the message that you're going to share is something that's going to resonate. So uh, it's, it's such an important message and um, I'm super excited that you reached out to me, man. So thank you for being here and uh, thank you for, um, sharing your story on my podcast, man. I appreciate it. And, um, thank you for responding and following up with it. Um, I've been trying to get on a, a couple of podcasts for a while now. And, um, you responded and then we found a date and, uh, you followed through and that, that that's like something where you could see someone's, uh, almost even true colors. Even if you were like, Oh, I'm booked, but like just to send a response. Cause I watch, your videos and being genuine and stuff. And that's a great thing that I, that I like to see in someone. And, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm great. So happy to be here, uh, on a Saturday and just amazing. And, uh, I don't know, you want me to just get into a little bit of everything? Yeah. So I mean, I'll, I'll, let me set it up a little yeah, bit. So, yeah. you know, my last podcast was with Leighton Grant, who was a fitness professional who suffered yeah. through some really serious mental health issues. And, um, Jack reached out to me because Jack had some serious addiction issues and, you know, through, and I'm, don't let me speak for you, but from what I understand and just looking at your Instagram and knowing a little bit about you through the world of fitness, it enabled you to recover in a healthy way and sort of yeah. channel addictive tendencies towards something that was helping you rather than hurting you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so. I guess let's start with, let me like just start with a little bit of your background because we were talking a little bit yeah. about this and I, it's fascinating to me because yeah. we were just talking about, you know, I grew up on the South Shore of Long Island, you grew up on the North Shore of Long Island and for those who, of those of the listeners who are not from this area, they're like worlds apart. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so the South Shore, just not to overly generalize, but it's more of like a blue collar, you know, working class type of vibe. Um, you know, the houses are kind of on top of each other. So almost like an urban suburban type of setting and the North shore where there's, you know, a lot more sort of generational wealth and, you know, these sprawling estates and all the golf courses and, you know, like it's a much fancier, you know, place to live. And we were just talking about some of the differences about the way we grew up. So let's just take it back. Cause you grew up in Roslyn, which is known, I think probably throughout the whole country as like, you know, just a really fancy Long Island suburb. And, you know, talk to us a little bit about like, you know, what, your early early childhood was like man. yeah i mean my early childhood uh was a very was a was a good childhood um got everything i wanted in my life uh from my parents i couldn't ask more had a good brother have a, have a good sister um where are you in there like uh, i'm the middle child, the middle child okay. but in my family i always strived i loved my family but when i was in school and stuff i I felt different. I felt less than. I was uh, insecure. I didn't know who I was. I um, never like with uh, if someone was driving a nicer car, even like a young age of a parent was dropping off. 
I didn't, that wasn't the thing that made me ever insecure about it. Like I knew where my family stood and stuff, but it was more like, I don't, I'm not as smart as this kid. I'm not as uh, athletic as this kid. So who am I? Like, I'm just, a, I couldn't accept being an average person. Were you very wealthy? Like even like relative to Rosalind? Um, no, I was, I was probably in the middle, but we, my family, we, we weren't, uh, my dad has a, had a, is a criminal defense attorney, uh, well-known criminal defense attorney. And, um, but we knew where we stood in Roslyn. There's some people in Roslyn and it's not to knock anybody, but it's, uh, some people like to put on that they have more than they do. They drive a car they can't afford. They're going check by check, living in a house that, 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 that you don't know how they really paid for it. So my family, I knew my, my dad, was a made a very honest living to me and i knew where we stood he i knew we came from an, a nice upbringing we were probably in like the middle of roslyn and um i mean it definitely progressed my dad's business got right. be, got better as we we moved to roslyn we changed houses and stuff and it got better but on the terms of me growing up as a kid um there was stuff though on the outside my family looked uh like a nice family but there was stuff going on inside the family that uh was definitely uh another reason why i felt very insecure walking into school with your parents or? yeah okay. with my parents and um something about which is, i'm like i said i'm okay talking about and it's nothing do you want to get into some of it yeah um when i was uh around 13 14 my uh my mom is an addict as well and uh she uh at bar mitzvahs and different things, she would always be blacking out. And uh, I'd watch her. I'd be invited to those bar mitzvahs, and I'd see, like, you know, in a pause, and you see someone at a table having me carried out from their stomach, being like they're from drinking too much. She's she's another fitness nut. She's in amazing shape. She's but she's five one, a hundred hundred pounds, so she couldn't hold her alcohol at all. Also, she had the disease of alcoholism and. Even outside of like going to like these parties and stuff. Yeah, I would see it, but I was when I was younger, it was hard for me to notice it. And when I would get older and older, I would be able to notice it more. And one night we were coming back from. I came back from a bar mitzvah. She was home, and I was just I wanted to give her a kiss goodnight to say that I'm home and I'm going upstairs to my room. And at the time, we were living in a rental house because our house was getting knocked down, and we were building a house, and we were in this small little house. And um, she wasn't waking up. I'm waking her. I'm shaking her, and she's like green. And my dad must have had a couple of drinks. He's like, she's fine. And I look. I turn over, and she's foaming from the mouth. I uh, I call nine one one. Me, and my brother called. Um, so you were thirteen. Thirteen years old. I'm like pressing her stomach. My brother's on the phone, and um, we got her help. She's got her stomach pumped, tube down her throat. Um, she lived, she was in a, a coma for a couple of days. She overdosed, but she lived from, she took pills. From opiates or? Um, no, I, I, th I don't know everything that was okay. in her system, but a bunch of pills, alcohol, none, it didn't agree with her. And, um, she got the help she needed and, um, she's been sober ever since that day. Wow. And, uh. Um, Did she go away? Yeah, she went 
you know, she kind of detoxed in the hospital. They put her through a system there, but she didn't go away, go away to rehab uh, after that. But she, she uh, got, got through it. She got through it, but it definitely put a, some uh, thoughts in my head. I couldn't get out of for a long right. time. And a couple of resentments against her not being picked up from school on time sometimes. Right. Like looking back, you're like, yeah. oh, that's why. Yeah, that's why. And then it also, in my, when I got older, I felt like I had the entitlement. My mom was a drug addict and she did all this stuff. Why can't I do all this stuff? What, who is she to ever tell me that I could be, who I, like, that I could do this and that when you were in your 40s doing that? Right. But it's interesting because I live in Brookville now, which yeah. is, you know, very similar to, to yeah. Roslyn. And, you know, we're at the, I'm 44 and we're yeah. at that age. My daughter's starting to go to bat mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs yeah. and stuff. And, you know, like you go to, like, to parties and, you know, I, it, it is like, it's, it's interesting because the drinking culture is like, it's crazy actually. Like it's like, you know, and it's interesting because as like 20 year olds, it's like, whatever, like you're drinking all the time and, you know, partying yeah. and stuff. But that kind of extends into like, 40s 30s and 40s and it's um it's actually pretty wild to to hear that you know because i'm sure there's a lot of that that's obviously still going on because like you know just people get trashed at like at these parties yeah 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 so it's um i mean for for me when i was uh started drinking right away i knew I had addictive tendencies from a young kid. Did you start at, like at the bar mitzvahs, like when you were No, I never stuff? drank. I never. Yeah. My first drink I had was my f- freshman year of high school, but I never wanted to drink before that because I know I said like my mom, oh, I'm gonna when I. That's when I had the mentality when I started drinking. Before that, I'm like, I never want to be one of those kids drinking, especially because what happened to my mom, but. Once I got into high school, it just changed. Right. Like uh, a different animal came inside me and stuff, and a different switched friend groups and stuff, and just changed my. So you hanging like who were we hanging out? I with? was hanging out with, with great, nice kids. They were all going to be su- probably successful kids when uh, successful now also, but they didn't want to party, and so it wasn't like I wanted. Like I said again, to fit in so bad right. with I didn't with I didn't know who. I didn't even think there was someone to fit in, but I needed, I was so uncomfortable with myself. You were looking for community. Yeah, I just wanted, and I wanted someone to be able, people to be able to co-sign of like getting in trouble. Uh, a high for me was also getting in trouble, doing reckless behavior that I was not supposed to be doing. And getting attention for it. I guess. Yeah, exactly. And then you get that euphoric feeling from right. it. So. so talk to me a little bit about how, like how you things evolved so you started yeah. i mean i imagine it starts with alcohol yeah um then like does it weed is next or i could get into a yeah. whole uh, do you want me to go through yeah, my, just, my whole little yeah, thing i think it's something that a lot of yeah. folks you know yeah so when i started i had my first uh beer maybe four, 15 years old um a couple of, like natty lights with like the a couple guys and smoked a little bit of weed there and i was like it wasn't like I took a sip and I was like, this is the greatest thing. I was mm-hmm. like, ninth graders drink. You go, like, that's right. a part it's like of... a rite of passage. Yeah, yeah, it's like, this is a part of uh, what goes on. And um, smoking... When I smoked weed for the first time, I loved it. I thought it was like the coolest thing, feeling like, 
hiding it from my parents. I got buying a little bowl and a mm. little bit of weed and just like my parents not knowing that I had it and then getting like a lighter and getting so and I thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. Did your parents smoke weed? Do you know? No. No, 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 no. Right. Neither of them did. And um I just I thought it was amazing. Like, I loved weed uh, and um and I loved and when I was drinking the only thing it gave me, it gave me more confidence to talk to people, to talk to girls. I had no, I had no confidence at all. I was not able to, I, I, in school, I was not able to talk to a single girl from ninth to 10th grade. Also, because due to, I was, uh, I had ADD, ADHD. Diagnosed or undiagnosed? Yeah, diagnosed. Uh-huh. Um, learning disabilities, like I always had extra time on my tests and stuff. And I fell behind, like, in, like I said, in Roslyn, you see kids going to Michigan, you see kids that, okay. That are gonna go to big schools, and I like. I I would have loved to go to a, a a really smart school, but it just, I knew I wasn't smart enough, or or, I don't want to say I wasn't smart enough. Right. I didn't have the drive, to to put it. in the work at that time. I wasn't mature enough, and I didn't. So I gave up. I was like, I'm just gonna. The only way for me to stick out in high school, is to be one of the stoners and the drink. Mm. That's it. That's the only way for me to, to um thrive and um through high school it got uh it was a slow progression in the beginning drinking smoking right it's what they like to say weekend warriors right. you you think about it during the week like oh i can't wait to use right, my fake right. id and do this and you romanticize it in your head like i'll get through this math class because i get to mm-hmm. do this later and um 19th 10th grade it was like it was normal and then in uh, my junior year, started hanging out with a couple other kids, and I started getting into working out and boxing and self defense. I got into boxing and working out in self defense a lot, and it uh, definitely sparked my ego a little bit. Started to see change, started to get bigger, right. started to learn how to fight, and um, but I was doing it for all the wrong reasons at that time. Like I wanted to to be able to box and do self defense because. So I could kick the shit out of someone in right. school, like start a fight at a party, and that's not what I, what I wanted to do. That's not the right reason to go about it, but that's that was my right. mentality. And so junior year I started getting into the Xanax. Um, Where would you get it? Just from a dealer? Or? Yeah, me and my friends, we we had some seniors that 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 were getting it and stuff, and um, it was like all fun and games. Like to be honest, like. With with everything going on in the world now, with everything laced with fentanyl and all that, and uh, we're lucky none of us died at that yeah. time, and because uh, we were just like we were just popping them, we didn't know what milligrams, we didn't right. know anything, we were just drinking on them, getting four locos from the from the um, delis, and we didn't know. I was just blacking out, like I didn't know how to at that point. I didn't know how to drink safely at all. Like every time I drank, it was just to get plastered, and like and even if I wasn't trying to. Eventually, I would. My mind, just like I would wake up the next day, and I was like, "How did? How did I get home? Yeah, how did this happen? Or like, what did I do?" And did so, your parents know at that point? You know, they they knew a little bit, but they were like, I think in their head they thought like, "This is just like a phase, like a high, a high school, like yeah. he'll mature out of it." And then senior year came along, kids start going into colleges. The school I wanted to go to, I wanted to go to Syracuse. My oh. whole family went there. Every my both my siblings got in, my whole family. My dad's, uh, my dad went there, a big Syracuse uh, fanatic, and um, I got rejected early decision. So I'm like, 
well, only other school that I'm like, biggest party school at the time, going to Arizona. I'm like, I could do what I want there, and I could also escape from Roslyn. I didn't want to be, I was just tired of, I wanted to have, start over. I wanted to be who I was mm -hmm. and just uh, be a new person. There's got to be a lot of Roslyn and. Yeah, at the time, I went with one of my best friends from high okay. school. Me and him were the only two kids to go. And uh, I just wanted to get away because at the end of my senior year, I, I saw the drugs getting worse and my reputation. So like still like Xanax. And Xanax. Like and then it started to progress with cocaine here and there. Mm -hmm. Took a couple Oxycontin here and there. Molly. Like mm -hmm. any. I was whatever anything whatever you put in front of me I would have yeah. done. I had no problem doing anything. I didn't see any like consequences in it. Like we would take in, in my house we'd go in my basement a couple of us we we would we would uh snort some molly, snort some cocaine and invite girl older girls over and just and that would be it and it was just like sometimes I didn't even know it was at my house. I had no clues even there. Wow. Like I just like and I and my sister was young she was an eighth, eighth grader at the time and she would like see all this stuff and would be scared she mm. was like so scared that just like there were people running around my house like i didn't listen to my parents at all i had no discipline in my life and uh did your parents supposed to know at that point yeah they would like, they yeah. would argue with me like stop smoking in the house stop doing this and i would just be like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then like they didn't like grab on to me so much should they have you think do you think you would have been responsive i think it might have pushed me away even more right i think almost they almost had as fucked up as it sounds i think they almost had the comfortability of me at least being in their house and right. not driving yeah and uh which is you know i mean as a parent it's obviously something that you fear but i think you know that, that is like the real fear i think is yeah really like ruling with like an iron fist it's gonna push you deeper into that world you yeah. know at least like yeah having you in the home yeah or i could go somewhere else like i could right. go and do what i want to do right i had a car at the time and stuff but but do you think your parents thought like looking back i'm sure you've talked to them about it at this point yeah yeah, yeah. i have a great the, relationship with them yeah. or like you know like were they like yeah you were out of control yeah or? they were like you were there was no way getting through to you, you right. were, there was and i got physical with them at points not a little further down when I, yeah. I it got like a little physical and um so they were just hoping this was like a, a phase like maybe he yeah. goes to college and learns to grow up right so then what so you go to college go to college go to arizona i mean it's just insane it was just insane it was absolutely um all the hype that you hear about yeah. it like it, it was like girls are beautiful down there yeah. um and that's where i really got into fitness also on uh like everybody the california everybody's just ripped juiced yeah. up yeah. big like you see these like 17 18 year olds with they're shredded yeah. and i thought i was coming in there like from new york like yeah. decent size i'm like kids are big right these kids are these kids are i'm like but i loved it i was like it was like a motivation right almost to being like powerhouse here when you see like there you see yeah. the bigger kids there and i'm like shit i gotta start doing that and um but like the first couple of weeks, like you would have parties in the dorms because I wasn't at a frat at the time. And I knew I started to have a big problem when I was partying harder than the kids in Arizona. And they were like, yo, this kid's a little like, you're out of control. 
too much. Like right. you gotta like take it down a notch. Like your black. It's like what, it's like what would happen? Like let's now. say like I would have like a handful of Xanax. Let's say six, seven, pop, two milligram Xanaxes, and uh, the time it was only that, and then drinking, uh, ripping bong hit after bong hit, and just blacked out. Like and when I get blacked out, I'm like complete autopilot and i also can't speak like i'm mumbling my words like you could tell that he's incoherent on like drugs like i wasn't someone that could hide it like once it came my system i was incoherent and um my first semester arizona was a little tough because it was like i had to fit in it wasn't it, it was definitely an adjustment period but then when i i got into i uh pledged a frat and um, I was like, this is going to be amazing. Like, Was it like that? Because, you know, like just having obviously been in college. Yeah. There's some fat frats which are like the drug frats. Some fat uh, frats. This frat, which are you like know, I mean, you could get, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a drug. It wasn't a drug frat. I mean, there were drugs in the frat. I mean, any Arizona frat had drugs in it. But it was uh, all like good kids. Like, to be honest, the, it was um, a lot of the kids were like, Pillars of society, society, I want to say. Like, they were, uh, like, it, there was a brotherhood there when I saw it. And I was like, I was only going in for the partying. I was like, right. the only way to get girls in Arizona is if you're in a frat. So I got to join a frat and I'll make more friends there. And the parties looking are insane. So I pledged a, a frat. The, the hazing sucked, went through it, um, got initiated. And um, was in the fraternity, partied a little bit, did what I had to do, and then like I'll fast forward a little bit into. So what's going on academically? Like academically, so as my, my first semester, I had a, a 0.5 GPA. Oh shit! So I was on academic probation. Were your parents like, "What the fuck"? Like, they were what? like, "Well, no matter what, even if they were like, what the fuck, I had to get over a 2.5 to stay in school, or else you're kicked out." So you're in the frat. In the, you, did you drop out of school? Did you drop out of Arizona? So I'm in the frat. Start, stuff start getting a little darker. Okay. Start getting introduced to other drugs. And at that time, I, I started doing a lot of steroids in Arizona. Okay. Shooting a lot of steroids up at the time. It's like what? Like uh... just uh, At the time, like again, I didn't even know what I was doing. I think I was getting tests. A little bit of Anavar because you're out there. You want to be shredded. A little bit of test, Anavar. Um... What else was I? Uh, I think a little bit of Mastron, a little bit, a little bit of everything. Okay. And um, I don't even know what half that shit is. Yeah, that. but yeah. It, it was yeah. just at the time, um, I was doing that, and I'd be going to these pool parties, and I thought, like, I didn't know what steroids was doing, but I thought, like, shoot up right before I go to a party, snort a line, and I'm like, I feel like I'm the man. Su- Superman. And were uh, you just jacked, like shredded out of your mind? I wasn't, you know. I was got way bigger after I thought I was. I, I mean, I yeah. was definitely big. Um, I was definitely in very good shape uh. in college. I I went through, but I also went through roller coasters with my size because I would go through really big drug points where I wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. So, but at my peak, I was working out, doing a lot of drugs, and then it started to get a little dark. I started to I got introduced to oxycodone, what they call like blues, like synthetic heroin, and. Started to get introduced to that hard hardcore, and uh, 
and I did it years ago and I didn't think it was going to hit me as, as hard. And I, uh, so you did it like in high school, try high school record, like just a little, I did like a half here and there, Uh did it my freshman year, did a little bit. And the thing is in my frat, like they didn't want, they really had a no drug policy. I was living in the fraternity house. They didn't want drugs in the house. Like they weren't all like there were, you could find drug addicts in the fraternity and I could branch out to other fraternities, other kids who I knew. And do drugs with them. And um, I started doing those drugs. And I found myself getting into really bad fights with people. Really, like, really bad fights. Like where um, bottles being cracked over kids' heads. Oh, my God. I, uh, got, I beat up a kid and he came back. He stabbed my leg. I have a scar down here from the point of a bottle. Just really bad, reckless behavior. And then my parents started... I they, I actually supposedly when I was blacked out I would call my parents crying, saying I like, I wanted to kill myself like I hate oh, wow. living like this and then I'd wake up the next day, and they would be like so do you want to come home I'd be like what are you talking about, like, really I don't know what you what you what you're talking about like I'm fine like leave me alone I need two hundred dollars for uh, to pay my tutor and then click, and they would be like, wow and uh, the last final kind of signs was I was in Cabo for spring break I uh was partying down there and uh party like being like coke or just like it was spring break it's Mexico you could go to a pharmacy and you can mm-hmm. get any drug you want okay. out there so I was like popping just all these different pills and like muscle relaxers all these different like somas which is like us and is like basically like the um Quaaludes is in a, uh-huh. in a in a generic form. Gotcha. Just popping them, popping them, popping them, and then uh, I uh, looks like Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, stuff, exactly. Right? And it was like I swallowed. Is it like that? Like <laughs> you know, just we, except I was broke, not making yeah. money. That like say taking. No, but it's like that. Where, you know, like that scene where he's like his Lamborghinis. Like he has no idea what's going on. Yes, yeah, that, that was me. Like, that was me like, every single up. night. That was me every single night. But wow. the end of the night, and one night I slipped and I shattered my leg and I tore my ACL. And I woke up. I didn't even know. I woke up the next day and my leg was like, like, oh my God. I had to go to a hospital in Mexico. Oh my God. They gave me, I, no one spoke English. One of my uh, pledge brothers came with me and um, they fixed up my leg in Mexico. Like they put like a, a shitty cast on and uh, all this. Like, so where, where is this junior year of college? Yeah, this, ju- okay. this is my, my, uh, Second semester, no, or it year. might have been sophomore year. Uh-huh. It was like a sophomore year, uh-huh. second semester. Get my leg fixed, go back to school, mellow out a little bit. I'm like, kind so you of, came back to New York to get your leg fixed? Yeah, I came uh-huh. back to New York. I mellowed out a little bit, uh-huh. like got my head straight, like a week. School was almost over at the time that sophomore year, and then it, uh, I finished school, um, came back, and at the time I was working it when I came back from. When I would come home for the summers, I wasn't really doing the hard drugs. I was doing it here and there, but I, I was always working. Like, I was always hustling. I worked in the Diamond District mm-hmm. for, uh, at the time, I was just like, um, my dad knew a couple guys there, and I was just kind of hustling, doing like, even just handing out the papers on the street and stuff, just trying to. Is that what you wanted to do, like work in the jewelry business? You I mean, know, I, I didn't know what I wanted okay. to do, but I knew I was getting some money in my pocket. Okay. And, uh, and, I thought I I liked the idea of it. I mean, I saw like all the nice watches and all the mm-hmm. nice, but 
there was some stuff in there I didn't mm-hmm. love particularly. And uh, came back from my junior year, and I'm like, I'm going to get my shit together. I'm like, I want to like, maybe find a girlfriend, settle down, like try to find that. But um, my junior year, it was I was living in a beautiful apartment in uh, with three other guys, and I wasn't going to class. There was a pool on the roof of the apartment, and there's a gym in the apartment. So I was like, go, yeah. And I had that same girl running my classes, but the thing is, like all other kids were doing, taking their classes. So I found myself home all the time, hitting up like sketchy, sketchy kids, and. So you're just chilling in this apartment. Chilling, like yeah. I'm not worrying about school, um, but it got very lonely because like no one's around. Like kids are starting to figure out what they want to do with their lives. Like, and I don't even know what classes I'm in. I right. don't know a class. I don't know who I am right now. I go to the gym for an hour a day, and then just do drugs. Like that was my entire day. And then there was parties at night. There were some girls here and there, mm-hmm. and but at the end, my junior year, it got like to a point where. Uh, it got like really depressing because I started getting into those drugs and. So were you pretty much just on oxycontin at that time? Oh uh, yeah, I mean I would always take the other drugs with with it, always like just because I could get it on me and drug oxycontin got expensive. I mean it's thirty dollars a pill to get a pill. So at the time, by the end I was taking six seven a day, so. Wow. It, it adds up plus getting weed plus getting other drugs and stuff that becomes really expensive. So I'm doing it for uh So how that, and you're making basically you're selling weed on the side, whatever it is, whatever you have to do. And I'm like, also with this teacher, there were other kids from Arizona who I started to get into those classes. Gotcha. So you get a cut. S- smart kids that would that would hit and uh, to the day I'll I'll never say their names, but they threw me under the bus with other stuff, but I'll never go and say their their names. Right. But like kids that have pretty high up jobs now would go up to me and want stuff, and then I'd get a cut out of it. I'd get a good cut, and at the end, I was getting the classes for free. Right. So I didn't have to pay for any of the classes, and my parents were giving me money for a tutor. Right, right. So that was all going So your parents had no idea about this arrangement that you had set up? No. Okay. They know now it went on. Yeah, of course. I I told them everything now, but uh, at the time, no. They thought I had a... Nice, innocent Jewish tutor that was helping me. Just some tutor, huh? Just tutor. (laughs) That was the the best tutor in the world that's getting me on Dean's list when I couldn't even do anything for myself. So um, I start really going hard with the drugs also. Like something's like switched in my head. We were almost talking about like I couldn't find happiness at all. So I'm like, let me just keep taking drugs. And at that point, I was almost at a little bit suicidal. Like, life was almost like... You're 21. I'm 20 at the time. 20, okay. Like, I would get in a lot of fights, and I'm, like, almost to the point where I got into... I started to get really reckless at parties because I'd be doing a lot of Oxycontin during the day. And then to wake up, I'd do cocaine to wake me up and then drink on that. And I'd be belligerent at parties, like, beating up people. And then there was... This is, like, the last straw to get into it i was my fraternity they gave me a warning they're like you got it like take it easier you're out of the fraternity like you we, you are a huge liability to us you're going to get us in a lot of trouble there were points where I, I i broke a kid's jaw in another fraternity 
and the cops were showing up to our house. They didn't know who it was. They only the queue was so blacked out he couldn't identify me mm-hmm. at the time. And uh I was in um there was a huge party. It's called the phone party. It was the biggest party, one of the biggest parties Arizona throws. And I had some kids visiting and stuff. And I'm like, I had like, I felt like good about myself because I'm like, I got to show the kids a good time. But I still had the drug addiction, so that doesn't go away. I'm still doing drugs, doing a lot of drugs through the day. And then a lot, everybody in the fraternity does cocaine that night. It's just like most of the kids. And um, did a lot of cocaine. I drank a lot. I blacked out by the pregame. Get to the party. Get into, we had bouncers at the time. Get into, I guess like, I was really belligerent. They didn't want me to come to the party. Start like saying stuff to him. Start going back at it. Um, we get into a huge fight. I had two other big friends from a different attorney. I brought as guests. They start beating up on this guy. Uh, security guards start coming in. They were they start beating me with the baton. They spread my my arms open and they handcuffed me and they choked me and they put me to sleep. And that's I have like five thousand other stories, but that was the last story. And the next day I wake up, I get a Facebook message from the president of my fraternity. He said, "Can you please come to my my room? He was living at the house. I need to talk to you." And I woke up. I was like, "What the fuck happened? I have scars, like bruises at the time, all over my body. Huge black eye." And I'm like fuck happened i look at my phone i have messages from kids and i have no clue, absolutely no clue from past 9 30 what happened and they were they give me an ultimatum they were like we love you like we know you're genuinely an amazing guy but you have a serious drug problem and you need to either go we'll let you back into the fraternity if you go to rehab for four months if you don't choose to do that, you're suspended until the, your last semester of school to be in the fraternity. And I said, fuck you guys. I don't need any of you guys. Um, I don't have a problem. I walk out of there. I do. I take a bunch of uh, Oxycontin. I put them on the table and crush them up. Take all of them. And I just start crying. I looked at myself in the mirror for the first time in a long time and I was not able to ever look myself in the mirror and I saw like who have you become like who are you I was so lost uh, with with who I was and I uh, I got the courage to I called my mom started crying I said I I need to come home I said I'm gonna die I said I'm I, I can't live like this anymore I'm throwing up every morning from withdrawals like trying to get money together just to get a little bit of like even just weed to smoke and to get my to kick my drug my my life is like crazy. I don't Were you like rail thin at this point? Like yeah, that's where like I got like I was just like and I was so I was at that point I got I was in the worst shape of my, like like I was like you know like as crazy as it sounds I used was working out on drugs also like I would take drugs and just go work out because I was obsessed like I would do it, it like wasn't I would curl like. 10s and 50 and just stay like in shape do like push-ups pull-ups all that stuff but when i when i look at pictures now i was like wow i was thin and i looked sick like i looked sick 
and um, I came home, and so this is your second semester of junior year, basically. Yeah, second okay. semester, and then I left All Arizona. Right. I, my I left my stuff there. My dad was like, "We have a flight for you at nine thirty at night. Hop on it." Holy shit! Why did I just say that to my parents? Did your parents know the extent? Like on that phone call, we we're like, "Listen, like they probably knew you were fucking around with drugs and drinking yeah, parties." But were you like, "You guys don't really know how much they, drugs they I'm they knew that when they knew they were like, all right, it's time for him to come home. He's ready." Because right. at a point, I'm 20 years old. Like they can't just like they could sit, they could bring me home. But at the time, if I'm not ready, I'm just going to walk out of the house and do whatever I want to do. And I um, I get on the flight. I was completely blacked out for the flight. Get home. I woke up. I'm like, why did I tell my parents? I did that stuff. Like, you know, it's like the cat's out of the bag. Mm-hmm. And I just like. You just fucked yourself. Yeah. Kind of, you're thinking that. Now yeah. it's like, they're, uh, they're like, okay, we need to see doctors, see everything. I said, no, I'm fine. I just need, like, space away and doing a little bit of stuff at home. And um, I start getting, like, it's, like, three days in. And I start getting super depressed. Like, super, because, like, everybody's in, in school. I'm home. And it starts to hit me. Like, you just left school. Like, you just left. You left all your stuff behind. Everybody knows what happened. Like, Snapchat was just getting big at the time. Like there were videos of me of that night that went on that you were probably seeing for the first time. Yeah. Like holy wow, yeah, that, I can't believe I was doing that. And I was, I'm like, that's not me. And uh, the time where I said it got physical was, I was like, this is gonna be the last time I do drugs. My mom walks in on me in my room, bunch of drugs, and I finished it at the time. Turns around, she's like, you have to stop. Like you're ruining our family. And I was so messed up and I grabbed her and I threw her and I was like, you can't tell me what to do. You were a drug addict. You were this, that. Like, I don't care. You're clean now. You're still a junkie at heart. Like, if I, if I put one of these down for you, you would do it right now. And it broke her heart. She broke down. She cried. She ran away. She was scared. And um, started crying. And a day later, I went into her room and I said, I don't know if it's rehab I need to go to or like what I need to do, but um, I need to get help. And uh, she, a lot of the rehabs were booked at the time. There's a, it was a big waiting list for a lot of the rehabs. So uh, I, uh, I got, um, I went into like the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, from there, to be honest, there's my story from there. I saw something in a lot of people. I actually, there was a guy in there who was, um, I was a camp counselor. I went to sleepaway camp. I was a camp counselor for this kid's son. And I used to always see this dad always messed up on visiting day, visiting his son. And I saw him in the rooms the first day and I saw him. He was like, I'm going to be celebrating five years. And I was like, holy shit, this guy could be sober. I'm like, gave me like some strength. Was he an alcoholic? Yeah, alcoholic, drug addict, all okay. that stuff. And um, how old are you now, man? I'm 25 years old. Wow. So I have almost five years of uh, sobriety. So all through AA. Yeah, all through. So AA. just for are you allowed to talk about like you can't no. talk about if individuals, obviously. No, I, I can't. It's anonymous, but um, yeah. but what what is it? So you go to AA for like is it like what you see on like TV shows? Like yeah, you're all so I mean, the circle to be or? honest, like 
I, uh, I, I, I put a lot into my recovery. Like it's, it's not easy. And like, I, I, to be honest, like my recovery comes before my family, everything. Cause without that, I don't have my family. Right. And, um, yeah, it's like, uh, their meetings. So just tell me about that first meeting. If you remember the first meeting, I walked in, walked in with two black eyes. My mom's dragging me into the room. I did not want to go in. I go in there. I listen. I always thought I was going to be able to. In Roslyn? It's in Roslyn? Um, it was in Manhasset. Okay. I always thought I was not going to be able to. Uh, I knew I could never drink safely again. But I always thought I'd be able to like smoke pot right, here right. and there. But then I started to listen. And I saw young kids in there also listening and see how like they're smiling and all this stuff. And I'm like, I want that. Like I want to just be able to be happy. I want to know who I am. Like, and I'm like, me, like, when I was doing, I thought I was a tough guy doing all the drugs and all that stuff. I was just making, I was just the weakest I was. Like, I couldn't deal with my emotions and all that stuff. And I was like, I came back from that, that first meeting. I said to my, my mom, like, I want to get sober. Like, I, I'm going to, like, I'm going to do this. How long is the meeting? An hour. Okay. And, um, the time I wasn't working at all. Did you tell your story a little bit at that meeting? No, I was too you were just, scared. Okay, so you were I, just listening. I didn't have the. I was a little too scared to raise my hand for the first couple of weeks. I didn't know. I was. I was also fried. Like I was. Still, yeah. I was withdrawing in the rooms off drugs. And oh, stuff. Wow. Like I didn't go to a detox or rehab. Most people do. Right. And I was like, I'm just gonna kick it. I was like. So you were just like puking every morning. Yeah, and I was shaking, shaking in my bed, wetting my bed, with all wow. this stuff, and. Um, my mom helped me out a lot through it. She really sat through me. She was like a like a rock. Like today we're best friends to this point. Like she's uh she's um sat with me through like my toughest times that I've gotten through. Like life. throwing up in a garbage can and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, and shaking and didn't know if I could make it through and like So do you go like so you go to the first meeting and like you know, you're going through your withdrawals, and you're kind of recovering through all this stuff. When's the next meetings? Like every week? You, I mean, thank God for the, the, the with 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 Alcoholics Anonymous or with whatever programs other people do. That if you wanted to, there's meeting guide apps now where you could find the meeting every hour. If it's 20 minutes away, if it's 30 minutes away. Wow. Like that it, recovery is so big now. So how often did you go? Like how, at that time, I was going every single day. Every day. Every day, I didn't have I didn't have a job. I wasn't right. in school. It was like, will you drive yourself or your mom? Would no, take I didn't you? have a car. My mom drove me, and she also didn't trust me. I was pissing in a cup for like the per- first two and a half years of my sobriety. Really? Yeah, so with the doctor. I was uh, like, your parents arranged that? Yeah, and it was like an agreement to live in their house. I had to be a piss in a cup. Wow. And I was like, yeah, like if I'm I'm gonna be clean anyway, so um, dove into it, like. Loved the, loved it. I made a lot of my best friends in the program. I had a lot of young kids from college which struggling. And the crazy thing is now you see kids younger and younger coming in. Right. High drug, school kids and stuff Yeah, too? 16, 17-year-old kids, maybe freshman year college kids. And it's just because the drugs are getting so much worse. Everything is laced with fentanyl. Right. Everything is, you're not getting pure stuff. I'm not saying pure stuff is good. Yeah, but people drop like well, there's like a lot more risk for death. Yeah, yeah. and like a little because there's so much that I want to touch on. It's started celebrating the program. It started getting amazing, and um, 
But like I said, my year two and three in the program got so bad because, yeah, I put away the drink and the, the drugs. Like, I'm clean of drinks and drugs, but I'm like, still have myself. You still have, like, that was, like, my coping mechanism. So I'm like, at first I um, picked up gambling, got really, really, really bad. So how, how did you have any money, though? No, I was playing with, I was going Going house money. Yeah, house money. Um, Yeah, wasn't, wasn't really, yeah, I had no money at all. But I, I, I made a lot of money in gambling in the very beginning. So we're, been, I, we're actually chatting about this before we start, but I totally got mesmerized by every other part of your story. Yeah, yeah so like you're basically channeling your addiction into into gambling. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. I'm channeling it into gambling, like, and it that hit just like another the high. Yeah, yeah, hit, and it got just as bad as drugs and alcohol, if not worse. Wow. And it put me at the end into a very dark suicidal place where I thought. Did your parents know about that? At the end, where I I I, I pawned off my. I had a Cuban link I pawned off. I pawned off my Cartier watch. I pawned off everything I had. Every single thing. All my, like, everything I have now, I, I had to buy. Pawned off. I had over 50 pairs of Jordans sold. Um, nice pair. I would say, to be honest, in, in gambling, what I spent, we give over 100 grand. Wow. Um. And so what happened at the end? Like just I just like fast end, forward I, to how bad it got. It got bad where I had to pay off. I actually just finished paying off one kid who I was close with, and one I owe like a, a close friend a couple hundred bucks right now, which of which like we have an arrangement. Right. But like with the people who I had to really yeah pay away, like that would have hurt you if yeah. you didn't pay them. There, my dad squared it off, and then I made a. What they call in the program a financial amends made to my dad. I couldn't pay him all the money I stole from him and stuff, but I gave him like my first couple of checks that I made from training and stuff. And I said, like here, it's not. I know it's not as much, but like what I took from you. But like I just want you to know that like here's some money. So when did all the dust settle with that? It was going on through my bodybuilding. Like when I was like, it's so hard yeah. to get in, even into the bodybuilding. Like when I was in sobriety after a year of being sober, like I was in, I really started working out getting when I was sober because you have nothing else to do. But I wasn't doing, like getting into it hardcore. And then I, I joined Powerhouse. Maybe I had like nine months in the program. Uh-huh. And sorry to jump around. I was just like, right. I want to fill in just on. And but you weren't doing juice or anything at that no, time. No, no. Yeah. But I walk in there and I'm like, holy shit, these guys are fucking huge. Yeah. Like they're massive. This place is insane. Yeah. Like, like, and I've seen big dudes before. Like, I'm like, but these guys are big. And I didn't want to be as big as right. the big, big guys. As I, like Kai Green's. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be as big as Juan Morel or Kai Green, right. Jay Cutler. I didn't want to be as big as those guys. Because I still wanted to be able to get girls and stuff. I wanted to just be. So I'm like. Four months in the lifting there, I think I'm getting big. I'm like, I want to do a show. I'm like, so I find the coach there, who we I actually learned, I had a very good relationship with. To, to this day, he actually passed away, um, but taught me a lot of things I know. But the one problem he was just like, you got to take juice. Like, there's no way to compete like with your genetic build and everything. 
without juice. I'm like, yeah, I really shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, I don't know. And I was like, I think back on it. I'm like, all right, fuck it. Like, did it, started bodybuilding, loved bodybuilding on the side. I was gambling, winning a little bit, paying for one uh, bodybuilding, paying for juice, all that stuff. And then the problem with became a bodybuilding with me is like, I hit a point where it's like, I was doing okay in shows, not nothing great. I knew I could never be anything. I'm not like genetically built like that, nor I don't want it to be my entire life. Like I want to have a family. I want to have like a girlfriend. And um, I also started seeing like 45, 50 year old bodybuilders that are not pros and all stuff driving home in pieces of shit cars. And I'm like, like, I don't want to be that, that person, not to knock like that. That's like, I didn't want to be that person like that. I love fitness, but there's such a big difference between fitness and bodybuilding. There's such different avenues to fitness and body. I want to be able to run. I want to be able to do like the box bodybuilders can't go five rings, five rounds and and box and do all. And there's a whole different life to fitness than bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And after that, I got out of it. I got out of bodybuilding. I actually got out of it because my girlfriend found out I was... And just... Yeah, and she gave me an ultimatum. And I was actually happy she found it because it gave me an escape out of it. So I got out of that, got out of the gambling. I got clean with my parents because I had no money at all. I had nothing else. Did you tell your parents that you were doing juice and all that stuff too? Yeah, they found that. I told them everything. I got clean. I was like, can't... I'm like, I... Were they just? I mean, at any point, were they just? Were they just like? They're like, like my, my, fru- my, so my dad threw me out of the house the last night of the gambling. Uh, I actually was like homeless for a night, and uh, he was like, "I don't understand what the point of you getting sober was, because all your behaviors are even worse than yeah. now you're sober, but you're in this much of debt, and you're just like I thought bodybuilding was gonna make me like get girls and like be an amazing like." To be honest, like I was getting too big to a point, and I was also my skin was getting bad. Stuff was not like I wasn't looking that 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 good. Like to a point, I thought I was. I mean, the guys were telling me I looked good, right. but I didn't get girls that were telling me that looked good. And um, I got out of all that stuff, and I. Uh, so what is that like? Well, yeah, I would say it was about. Got out of bodybuilding around two years ago. Okay. Got out of gambling around a little less than two years ago. Okay. And then I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was confused. I was scared a little bit to go into fitness because I was like, I didn't know that you could be like successful. That I started listening to like podcasts, the whole like Gary Vee, all the motivational speakers. I love like Joe Rogan just listening and started like fantasizing. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go get certified to be a trainer. I'm going to go learn about. Like I knew all how to train and all that stuff from my coach and all. And just lifting for ever. For yeah, six and a half years at the time. I knew everything. But I'm like, you know what? I want to learn a little bit more on corrective exercise, a little bit more on 
just like TRX, just all different stuff. So I mm-hmm. got certified and um, I, as a trainer, I started to really love like helping other people more than like helping myself a little bit. Like it was almost like in the program and I'm helping another person now. Right. I started like helping people and I liked it. And I didn't think I would start becoming as successful, but I started getting a lot of clients and like the money's good for a 25 year old. I can't, couldn't complain of a 24. And I also started, my brother is a sports manager. I started training athletes and it started getting me into that side of it. I worked with uh, last year, a big rapper, um, um, just, we would do some workouts. I was, I wasn't his full-time trainer, but we, we would train a lot. And I would start getting him at Equinox or no, I would meet him. He was, he's up in New Jersey. He had okay. a gym up in Jersey. I would drive from Jersey. And I just started up like hustling, like up at six o'clock in the morning, working until 10 o'clock at night training. Like if someone said I am off work, I could only train like 1130 night in the beginning. I'll be there four o'clock in the morning. I'll be there. And it started opening up other avenues for me. Like I was always so self-conscious cause I was like, I didn't graduate college. I didn't like all these other, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to make, I'm going to make like a mark for myself. And I got involved with some people. I, I can't disclose names right now, but I'm in the middle right now of in a project of opening up a gym, uh, um, it's a new concept of a gym. It's more of a boutique fitness gym. And um, with a couple other partners, which I can't disclose the name yet, but my life in the past like year and a half has gotten to a point where I never thought it could get to. And um, it became really with the program being honest to myself and being happy. Were you talking about like gambling and stuff in, in, in the AA? Also? I got clean about it in, yeah. around two years ago. Started opening up about it. I was gambling with another kid in the program. We were like partners. Gotcha. And two addicts doing that together is yeah. a recipe for disaster. Is he all good with that now too? Yeah, I think so. You know, like, I think he is, but I kind of like, kind of like worry about myself and have to like yeah. watch out for my own self. And with the, and it's like, like I said, addiction doesn't get easier. And at any point, like this year, I lost my best friend due to uh, an overdose. And wow. last year, one of my really good friends in college took his own life due to this uh, disease. So wow. buried a lot of people in, and um, it's fucked up to say, I'll probably be buried, stay here burying a lot more people who I know. Wow. And, um, yeah, I mean, the life I have now is, like, I just, just want to, like, I love motivating people and just knowing that they're, that you could, that you could, there's a reset button, like, you could yeah. start any point in your life and find, you just have to be comfortable with yourself and find, and have the courage even to ask for help and just get that help, and you have a, a lot, you could have a life beyond your wildest dreams and anything you want to do set your mind to it i think that's a good place to, to close yeah. this man i mean yeah i could talk to you literally yeah for yeah i could go ever, man i mean it's, yeah. you're filled with these yeah. with stories yeah. and stuff but i think the takeaway is like you've been in some fucking dark yeah. places man and you know you made it through it by 
Yeah. Having the courage to have self-awareness yeah. and yeah. asking and out for I, help. Once again, I really appreciate you having me on here. Oh, man, and, uh, I so appreciate you sharing yeah. your story, man. That's a very Anytime. such an honest Anytime. story. Anytime. Anytime, man. Thanks so much, man. Of course. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Mudgill Podcast. The corresponding video can be found on YouTube, IGTV, and Facebook. Let's get it.